1: Hello and welcome to Awesome Etiquette,
2: where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect and honesty.
1: On today's show, we tackle your questions on reserving baby names, resumes, not making new friends and changing up Thanksgiving plans. All that plus a postscript segment on the closing question from the presidential debate coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media.
2: I'm Lizzie Post.
1: And I'm Dan Post-Senning. And we're from the Emily Post Institute.
2: I'm going away Saturday.
1: Not only are you going away, you're going to one of my favorite places on the planet. Yes! California.
2: Exactly. And I love it because when this show is airing, it will be the day of the big thing which is that six months ago I was really excited to kind of cross off a bucket list item and book tickets to see Van Morrison in San Francisco. Aww. I know. I was mildly bummed that right afterwards he booked a show in New York so it would have been a lot more convenient but I am really excited to be headed out to California. We're going to do some camping the first couple days I'm out there and then head into the city for the show on the 17th and then my birthday is the 18th, so it's a little bit of a birthday trip, too. But I am so excited, but talk about just wrenches in your plans and things going awry and trying to have to keep that just happy travel heart despite, you know, like, there's the forest fires that are going on, so the campsite we were going to go to is not available, and now we got to scramble to find something else. Airbnb wasn't an option. Hotels were expensive, so we're trying to communicate with a friend of a friend about airbnb being privately his, you know, apartment, and it's trying to coordinate and get the back and forth going and coordinate with my travel buddy, and it's just, it's a whole lot of It's always that hurry up and wait, like, okay, I've researched all this. And then the other person is like, well, give me a minute to look at it. And you're like, dad, I want
1: a book now. And it's funny. And you're telling yourself this is all supposed to be fun.
2: And light and relaxed. This is it's, all in
1: the pursuit of a good time, of and, some relaxation?
2: And my travel buddy and I keep kind of texting each other, it's all gonna work out! Don't worry, this is gonna be great! And I love that we both have that spirit because it is gonna make whatever happens on the trip easier. If we go north instead of south to camp, I'm fine with that, but I just care that we go and we know what we're doing, and I am so excited to see one of my favorite musicians of all time live. This is gonna be really, really exciting.
1: Vim Morrison captured my my high school heart, right? I mean, talk about a, a a romantic. Yeah, um
2: but still, like, like I don't know, practical. I mean, cleaning windows. You know what I mean? It's a like, tough
1: guy romantic. It's
2: a yeah. It's kind of a I don't know. I I love him. I really do. I like I like the breadth of his music. He has so much stuff, and so to see him live is really going to be nuts.
1: As you started to talk about this trip, I started to enjoy hearing your process because the other thing that you had been thinking about was camping in Big Sur. Yes. Which is one of my favorite parks. It's absolutely incredible. The Pacific Coast Highway between Los Angeles and San Francisco is...
2: Amazing. One
1: of those things not to miss. And I'm I'm really sorry. Those wildfires are going to get in the way.
2: <laughs> well, we're hoping that maybe by the weekend some things have cleared. I don't know. We're just keeping an eye on it all. And so I'll tell you all next week what happens or two weeks from now I'll tell you what happens. But mostly I'm just I'm really excited. This is one of those You planned it six months in advance and now it's here and you're going to go and you're going to do the thing and you're traveling with one of your best friends. So it's really it's going to be good.
1: I also appreciate your willingness to mention how that planning phase can start to feel hard at times because it really is. Um, it's a little bit of work that goes in ahead of time that really does set you up to enjoy yourself. And it can feel like, oh, do I have to do this? And no, you don't have to. But I, I think it's one of those things that does pay off in the end. And it's worthwhile.
2: Exactly. So my hope is that I'm going to use all these great etiquette skills that we talk about on the show to plan this trip well with my buddy so that we have a great time. And I think that just that general nature of, you know what, there's only so much we can control. We'll book what we can, and we'll let the rest fall as it does.
1: Speaking of things falling as they do, shall we get to some questions?
2: Wait, what does falling have to do with our questions? I guess
1: nothing really.
2: (laughs) Tell you what, let's just get to some questions, right? Let's do it. All right. We were born before the wind.
0: Also oh, younger than the sun Yeah, the bonnie boat was one As we sail
1: into the mystic
0: Perhaps you can help me with a problem. I'd like your advice, Jim.
1: My advice?
0: Yes, I've got quite a serious problem.
2: On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, please email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or give us a call and leave us a message at 802-866-0860.
1: This next question is near and dear to my heart right now. I was going to say. (laughs) It's about baby names. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I love your show. After stumbling across it around episode 15, I've been a faithful listener on my walk or run every Tuesday morning. I have a question that I think Dan will relate to well, but I'd love both of you to weigh in. Dan, I'm so happy for you and Pooja. Parenthood is one of the most rewarding adventures of my life, and I think you will find it the same. Aww. My husband and I are expecting our second child in December of this year, and we have embarked upon a baby-naming hunt. We don't mind discussing different names with friends and hearing their opinions and reactions to names, so we might have invited this response through that openness. This morning, we both received an email from a good friend entitled, I love the names you have, but here are more. My question is, how do I politely respond to this email? This friend does have a history of being a bit of a busybody and overreaching her boundaries with other topics like this in the past. But she is a loyal friend who has proven to be a wonderful... Front.
2: Yes, front. Or
1: friend-aunt to our first. I'm tempted to just archive the email and not respond at all. But at the same time, I feel inclined to let her know that she has crossed a line that both my husband and I are taken aback by. I also think that one of the reasons that prompted her to send this email is that one of the names currently topping our list is a name that she mentioned she might like to use if she ever has kids down the road. Thanks for your insight and advice. Baby naming invasiveness.
2: Oh, dear baby naming invasiveness, you have definitely touched upon something that I think gets really personal. I want to invite you to remember that few names are so unique that they are not used within larger group circles multiple times. And this person is pretty close to you, but I really want to say be careful about assuming too much. You know, you'll have a good instinct on your friend. And yes, you can probably tell that she's directing you away from the baby name she wants to use. If that is a name you really love, please feel 100% confident in just naming your baby that name. This happens sometimes even within families, and you might wind up with two of the same name because the cousins or the sisters or the whoever's really loved it. And... At some point, you just got to say that you have to live your life and name your kid what you want to name your kid. And I would I would be open enough with that to encourage her to do the same. You know that this she's clearly spoken to you that this is one of the names she loves and you've clearly put it on your list. So in some ways, you've already crossed the territory of we hear you, but, you know, we actually have a baby that's coming. And so we're you know, we're entertaining that we love this name. And I think that's fine. So I think you can either look at this and say, my friend is trying to covertly get me to not use the name she likes because she's worried she won't feel OK using it if we use it. Or you can think to yourself about this particular email that she's sent. My friend is being helpful and we get to choose the name of our child and we welcome all suggestions because at the end of the day, the decision is up to us, regardless of how anybody else feels feels. And I hate from an etiquette perspective to say it like that, but I do think it's the reality of the case. I... Really want to encourage you that just because you know this particular friend has a name she loves that's high on your list, to still be open the way you would be to anybody else who doesn't have a name that's high on your list, who might send you an email like this. I think it might take the judgment and the sting out of her email a little bit if you look at it that way. That, you know, she's just offering more suggestions. Because I got to be honest, when I read the subject line of that email, I think, great. She loves the name. She's just giving you more options. This isn't loaded with a whole lot behind it.
1: I, I couldn't agree more. The, the, the point where this email started to really click for me was when I heard the suspicion that I, I feel like we're being directed away from it. it, it to me, the, the, the offense didn't come from the form of the advice or the nature of it that, that um, our questioner has said, you know, I've, I've been very open to this. In fact, we've solicited uh, suggestions from people, and being someone who's in that phase of the yeah. search right now, I, I I appreciate that. And part of that solicitation or that openness is being willing to hear anything that you hear, and that might come from someone who has a particular direction they want to steer you. And as long as you're confident in that that position that you staked out at the start of this answer, where you're, it's really up to you, you're going to get to to name your child what you want to. And as long as you're confident and secure in that, I don't think there's a need to take offense at the perceived steering that, that that you're reading in that suggestion. And even if it's there, and it very well might be, someone might have a name that they just treasure and we're always hoping, and if they can give you a list of suggestions that might take you in a different direction and inspire you there, then it's it's uh, it's perfectly all right for them to offer that. But I, I also would, would really strongly support what my cousin said, that it's up to you whether or not you want to take that direction.
2: Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. So I think in response to your friend, we would say, tell her thank you. Thank you for the suggestions. And you're taking everything into consideration. And the names that are high on your list are still high on your list. But you're, you know, you welcome all of the options that are out there. At the end of the day, if you choose the name she loves, I really hope that as a, as a friend that you can turn around and really encourage her to still name her child when she gets the chance to have one. The name that she feels most confident in, even if it's the same name as your kid. And I really want to encourage that openness and that generosity of spirit in this particular circumstance. And I hope I hope that's something that you feel confident and comfortable with.
1: And we both wish you the best as you finish this pregnancy and welcome a new child into the world. We will be so curious to hear what you finally decide, whether you want to share it with everyone in the audience or just with us.
2: Our next question is called Resume Resembles. Happy fall, Lizzie and Dan. Boy, Dan is loving that greeting because Vermont is just looking so stunning right now.
1: And all I want to do is talk about how beautiful the leaves are. And Lizzie tells me that that's really not an interesting thing to talk about. It's
2: the weather! <laughs> <laughs> no. It, it it Vermont's beautiful right now. So happy fall indeed. Uh, our listener writes, I'm jealous of the amazing foliage y'all are enjoying up in Vermont. I have a business etiquette question that I'm hoping you can help me out with. A former grad school colleague reached out to me for advice on transitioning from academia to the private sector. I mentioned that we have a position open at my company, and I offered to look over his resume. I sent him my resume to use as an example, and when he sent back, very liberally copied my resume. The style and headings are identical, and even the wording of a number of bullet points mirror my own. This would be uncool in general, but I really don't want him to send this to my boss to apply at my company, as it would reflect poorly on me if they noticed the similarity. Bear in mind, I wasn't hired all that long ago, so what should I do?
1: Thanks. I think I'll leave my name
2: out of this one. I don't blame you, resume, resume re- resembles. I keep wanting to say resume rambles, but that's not right
1: hopefully that resume uh, isn't too rambling. (laughs) And that is one of the pitfalls. That's one of the potential danger spots when writing a resume. It's tempting to want to write a lot about yourself and really being succinct and brief and direct and to the point is part of the heart of good resume writing. And there is an art to it. And we definitely suggest if you're not um, familiar with that form or if you haven't built a resume recently to talk to people about it. So I think it's really kind of you to help a friend build a resume. And I would give the advice to anybody that it's a good idea to have someone else look over your resume before you submit it. In this particular case, that process has introduced a little bit of tension into the relationship. And I want to start off by reminding you something that my mother told me, and I think a lot of our mothers probably told us when we were young, and that imitation is one of the highest forms of flattery. So you could start off by saying to yourself, clearly this person that you were helping out thought that your resume was excellent or thought that it was a good model to be working from. Mm-hmm. And part of the the point of sharing is that they can see what works. So copying things like um, heading, font, paperweight are all um recommended things to look for when you're looking at a resume that you like. I wouldn't worry too much about someone borrowing those particular style points or attributes. I also understand the concern that when you start getting into the text of the resume, the imitation starts to be too direct there starts to be too immediate a resemblance between one resume and the next and keep in mind that there are certain terms of art certain words certain language that come up in resumes and that a lot of resumes particularly from people that work in the same field or have had similar life experience or backgrounds are going to look similar and are going to sound similar and there there might even be some items on there that that look very much the same I do understand the concern about it being exact, not wanting to look like you've cut and pasted, like maybe you came from the same resume template and it really hasn't been altered or adjusted much.
2: Especially with the friendship connection here or the past knowing someone, you're right that being hired recently and having someone else's resume come in looking very, very similar and you then having a connection with that person, it does look a little bit like they might have copied or you might have really assisted. but. I, I want to leave breathing room in here.
1: It's not a big deal. I think that there's a, there's a really um, simple way to handle this. These two people are in a dialogue about this. You've sent their your resume to them. They've looked at it. They've sent what they've built back to you, not just to your company or maybe even for you to look at before they send it to your company. You have the perfect opportunity, the perfect entree here to talk to them about all the things that we've just talked about. That This is a really important process. You're really glad you're working with them. You're glad to help them out with it that their resume looks good, that you like the look of it, the feel of it, that it reads well, that it's the right length. You can talk about your concerns, that there are some items that are too directly reflecting each other and that you think that it would be a good idea to start to mix that language up a little bit to um, make it more your own might be a way to talk to somebody about it.
2: Dan, hitting out of the park with a little sample script there, buddy. Good job.
1: Depending on how well they're hearing that, you could decide whether or not you need to go that next step of really concretely asking them to change it before they send it to your company. If they are hearing that advice and they're ready to make some changes and tinker and continue to tweak, and that, that might be exactly what they're looking for from you if they seem resistant to that Then you could take it and escalate it just a step and say, you know, I'd really prefer that you make some changes before you send this to my company because I know my resume is sitting on file and I wouldn't want them to end up sitting next to each other on the same desk.
2: And I was just recently hired, so it's going to be a little fresh in their minds. I think that's tough. Man, I'm bowing out. Dan's got this answer down to the (laughs) T.
1: So don't fear. Talk to your friend about it. And bravo to you for helping someone out in the difficult process that is finding a job.
2: Our next question is titled, Unfriendly in Seattle.
1: Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I love your podcast. I especially like hearing how you resolve things when you have divergent perspectives on an answer. You definitely practice what you preach. I have a question that has come up for me a couple of times in my life, with one very recent example. I recently met a woman when my friend invited her along on a group hike I hosted, and I do not want to be friends with her. But she appears to want to be friends with me. She has been contacting me via various methods every few days ever since. Thus far, I have responded politely, but been noncommittal. But she is starting to press as to why I haven't answered directly. How do I reply, or should I not reply, to her text and Facebook messages attempting to engage in conversation? How do I say no to, or do I ignore, her onslaught of Facebook invitations to events? Do I talk to her about not wanting to be her friend, and if so, what on earth do I say? For a tiny bit more context, the reason I don't want to be friends with her is that over the course of the day I spent with her, I learned that she is possibly the most selfish, gossipy person I have ever met, and I found being in her presence grating and stressful. Wow! Surely it isn't my place as someone who has spent a total of a mere 12 hours in her company to tell her my reasons why I don't want to be her friend. Any advice or scripts would be much appreciated. Thank you. Unfriendly in Seattle.
2: I don't blame you. If I spent 12 hours with someone who gave that impression, I will say, since we don't actually know what happened... um yeah, I'd be dodging a friendship, too. Um, you don't have to be friends with everybody. This is a nice thing about being an adult. You get to choose. Um, it does make it really difficult when someone wants to be your friend and you don't want to be their friend. And they are pursuing it quite actively.
1: And maybe they're part of a social circle or group or community that you're a part of.
2: Yeah. So this is when you're going to have to do a little dancing. But I think you're going to be able to dance well and smoothly and know the steps. So. I would continue to either RSVP to the Facebook events, but say no. If you don't want to go, just say no. If it's going to be a really big event that everyone else is going to go to, maybe say yes. But I would I would really encourage you to all those Facebook events, feel confident just hitting that no button, that no button, that no button.
1: This is advice we give all the time in the general, and this is a really good example of where a particular instance of it works. We say respond to invitations. Learn yes. how to say no well. You're not just saying no when you don't like someone. You say no when you can't attend an, inv- uh, an event or something that you've been invited to. So deliver those no's, and they really will help firm up that boundary.
2: Yes, and typically when you're someone who often ...often says no to events, eventually you stop getting invited to events. And that really is the proper way to go about this because I think if you turn around and say... You know, Jill, I really just didn't enjoy our hike together, and I'm not looking for new friends at this I'm so busy. These are not sample scripts I would give you to use. Like, It doesn't come off well, no matter how politely you say it. Um, And I really don't love giving people the I'm-so-busy excuse because, you know, really, it's your own business what you're doing with your time, and you don't need to share it with someone or make it seem like you're committed to so much other stuff that you can't. If you want to sit around in your slippers with your feet up and watch marathons of something on Netflix instead of going to one of this person's parties, you absolutely can, and no one should be judging you for that. And you also shouldn't have to explain it. A simple no, I can't attend is all that you need to do. Now, when it comes to the conversation, this woman is also apparently trying to instigate conversations with our listener. And I think that you're right that you want to be polite in your responses. You do want to be responding to her. But this is where... I take the road of saying I would rather see you have short, polite responses to her than ghosting entirely. At some point, a little ghosting might happen. And, I'm, you know, I understand that in our society, it's a little bit of a clue that when someone just doesn't get back to you, it's time to move on from trying to get together with them. Um, and that goes in the dating world and the friend world. I don't particularly like the practice. I would rather someone continually say no to the point where I'm like, you know what? She always says no to my events. So I'm just going to I think I'm going to take the hint and just stop inviting her or I'm not worried that she says no, I'll invite anybody. So whatever, you know, Um, it's it's really up to the host to decide how they handle the fact that you've been saying no. But I would prefer you just keep giving an answer when someone reaches out to you with an invitation. I think that that is the right thing to do. For the conversations, um, shorter answers. Don't ask follow up questions. You know, what are your thoughts on this? Nope. Um, Hey, Carrie, I don't really love talking about politics online. If that's the truth or you can respond to the questions that she's asking. But don't ask. Like I said, don't ask follow ups. Don't don't invite further topics.
1: Being consistent once you've established your boundaries is so key, and the context that you provided is important here, that there are there are real reasons why you don't want to be friends with this person, that, frankly, you didn't think that their company was enjoyable, and you even think that there might be potential harm in the relationship. This person's a, a gossip. gossip and selfish, and reminding yourself of those impressions – can really be helpful to to help you not feel pressured to to be friends with someone that you don't want to be friends with. And as Lizzie said right at the start of this question, really being clear about that boundary, feeling secure in in yourself and your your privilege, your right to make that decision, I think is is an important part of feeling good about being firm and setting those boundaries and staying polite, not getting emotional in your response because you're feeling pressure from this person or from yourself to be friends with someone who you don't want to be friends with. Before we leave this topic completely, I wanted to also acknowledge how tricky this can be, and that I really appreciate your thinking about it, that um, when there's someone who wants to be friends with you and you don't want to be friends with them, the potential to hurt their feelings is great. And sometimes people are just different in style. Sometimes people are louder and more boisterous, and some people are quiet and more reserved. And they might not fit well together, but they're both good people. And Reminding yourself of that, reminding yourself that you want to take care with this person's feelings and that you really have the potential to hurt their feelings is important. And
2: imagine if you were on the other side.
1: I think that that is absolutely some of the best advice that, that we could give here is that put yourself in their shoes. Think about how you'd want to be treated if you were trying to make a friend but someone really wasn't interested. And I, I can feel that kind of thinking in your approach to this question. I really want to encourage you to keep that in mind as well as you try to figure out what's the best way to move forward.
2: So there you have it, Unfriendly in Seattle. We don't have one particular answer for you, but I think saying no to the invitations that are coming in is perfectly acceptable. It's clear. That's all you have to do. You don't have to offer reasons for being busy. I think being able to have short Non-engaging discussions when she does try to entertain a conversation is fine. And remember to just think as you're going through this and thinking, gosh, this is so annoying. Just try, like Dan said, to put yourself in this woman's shoes. And if if the shoe was on the other foot, how would you want someone to treat you who you were interested in developing a friendship with and really they don't want to? How would you want them to behave in that situation? Use those as your guide and hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. She will not be a new friend, which sounds so weird to suggest and encourage on the show. But at the same time, it's real in this situation.
1: Indeed. And that that you're able to deliver the hints gently and she's able to receive them gently. And everyone's able to move forward with the minimum amount of awkwardness.
0: But there's more. What's that?
2: More questions coming up. But first, a word from our sponsors.
0: Here, let's try another trick.
2: I love our next question because it has to do with my favorite holiday that's coming up, and that's Thanksgiving. And where will you be spending Thanksgiving? Our question begins, Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I absolutely love your podcast, and I'm telling everyone I know to listen. Thank you. We are very grateful for that. My mom and I have wondered about this question for several years, and it just occurred to me that y'all are the perfect people to ask. For the past several years, we have gone to my mom's cousin's house for Thanksgiving. We moved closer to them several years ago and started receiving invitations to various parties and occasions. We did not see a reason to deny the initial invitation, and we always have a nice time. However, we used to love having Thanksgiving just as a family at home. We're not very close with the family members the rest of the year, and it's always slightly awkward catching up on a year's worth of life. My mom has tried for the past few years to come up with excuses to get us out of it so we can have Thanksgiving on our own, but none seem appropriate or like they will work, and I hate the idea of lying." We really are so thankful and grateful to have been included in the past and do love the time we get to spend with these family members at weddings and other gatherings. Is there a polite way that we could deny the invitation this year? We'd love to remain anonymous if you decide to feature the question on the podcast. Thanks so much. I think there's a solution. Do you think there's a solution?
1: There's always a solution. Um, This is not an uncommon problem. This happens all the time. In fact, this happens... Annually! Annually. I was going to say in the Post family, but probably in many families. This
2: absolutely happens in my family. So my mom's side of the family, that's who we spend Thanksgiving with, the coward side of the family. And that is their last name. That is not a reflection of character, um, just so you know. And what happens is is that we would, we would have some years 20 people coming, other years it would be five people coming. And... Just so you know, speaking as the hosts, it's totally okay. My mom always recognized that people, you know, they might want to switch it up. They might want to do it differently. Other people want it to be the same thing they can count on every year. My suggestion, say to your uh, cousin's family. We love getting to see you all, but our family was thinking of changing it up this year, and we're going to do Thanksgiving here at home. And that's it. That's all you have to say. You don't have to ask questions. You don't have to give reasons. It's just we wanted to switch it up and do something different, so this is what we're going to do.
1: I love my cousin's sample scripts. I like this particular sample script just because of one word that I heard in it, the acknowledgement of change. That you're keeping it very simple and yet you're acknowledging that you're doing something a little different. A piece of advice that my mother gives all the time in the children's program that we teach is that whenever you change traditions, you want to give people a little bit of a heads up. Some people do really treasure traditions. And, in fact, children in particular will start to set their watches, their clocks, their <laughs> mental clocks by yeah. things that they can count on in traditions that they love. And if you're going to make a change, it can be really helpful both to give someone a little forewarning and to make an acknowledgment that there is going to be something a little bit different because it, it helps someone mentally let go of that thing that they've been counting on or anticipating just to have it acknowledged.
2: I also love the idea of encouraging you to really feel like, hey, this is our holiday and we get to choose how we're going to spend it. And that really is true. You do get to decide. Um, I have broken away from our Thanksgiving twice in my life. Once when I lived in California and once when I decided to spend Thanksgiving on the vineyard and, and spend it with friends. And it was just a different thing. And both times I felt really confident doing that because... I knew that the Thanksgiving would still happen, that everyone would still be happy. And I remembered the years where other family members had chosen to come or not come. And it was totally okay. It
1: sounds like they let you come back the next year.
2: They did. They let us come back the next year. So if you find that your fam- that you guys really kind of missed the big family dinner, you can always hopefully get the invitation and go again next year. But
1: You can also make suggestions. Things like, you know, I would really love to Skype in or...
2: FaceTime, whatever it is. Whatever
1: video chat or phone call that you like the most, there was a tradition that was part of the Sending Family Thanksgiving for years that my cousin Josh would call from California. And we would be sitting, 30 of us, down a long table at a farmhouse in Vermont. And Josh would call and the phone would get passed around. And everybody there, when I was living in California, when I was that, that West Coast exile, I would also call and the phone would get passed around. And then when I was back in the fold at that particular meal... I would make it a point to get in line to be one of the people that touched Josh when he made that call in dependably a tradition that we learned to count on every year.
2: I love it. I love it. So, Anonymous, we hope that you uh, have a really excellent Thanksgiving. We hope this reaches you in time so that you can communicate your plans and enjoy that cozy, relaxed, quiet, immediate family Thanksgiving that you so long for.
1: Well, that's it for our questions today. You can send updates and comments to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message by phone at 802-866-0860 or reach us on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette Etiquette so we know you want it on the show.
0: How long now before you'll be going out to make your own way in the world? Not very long, I guess.
1: And whatever you do, wherever you go,
0: you'll want to put your best foot forward.
2: It's feedback time. It's time to turn over the mic to you, our listeners, to get your reaction to what we've been saying these past few weeks. And our producer, Chris Roberts, will be representing you. Hello, Chris. Hi,
0: Chris. Hey there, Lizzie and Dan. How are you?
2: We are well. How are you today?
0: Not bad at all. And I will tell you that we heard back from Stella, who had a question back in episode 105 about fellow teachers. Stella is a teacher fellow teachers who weren't very welcoming to new teachers in her group during the lunch period. They were kind of being, excuse the pun, too cool for school. (laughs) And Stella really appreciates your nuanced assessment of what was going on, especially helping her to understand that teachers in this case might not necessarily be giving the cold shoulder, but actually needing a break, some downtime at lunch. And she also writes, taking a further step back, I'm also thinking about how the remaining senior teachers may have different ways to deal with the recent staffing changes on our team, and I need to respect how they're managing their feelings about that. I guess part of my impatience and concern for camaraderie is rooted in nostalgia for the ease with which we all used to incorporate new teachers on the team. Time will tell. All the best, Stella. What I like about that is it gets back to one of the strengths of Awesome Etiquette, In how you both always, and you did it earlier in the show, always help listeners who are on the negative or neglectful side of a point of etiquette be in somebody else's shoes to see what was going on in that situation.
1: It's so helpful. And we're all, uh, by definition, locked in our own perspectives. And I also really appreciate Stella's willingness to touch back in and touch base with all of the possible perspectives that might be a play in the situation.
2: And just to recognize it, I mean, you should hear Dan and me at the office going back and forth with our perspectives. We are very practiced at... Giving them to each other and they don't always match up, just so you know. And it is funny how there are just sometimes these weeks where when we're dealing with a lot, we are all the time having to present our perspective to each other and recognize when we align and when we don't. And the amount of space we leave for when we don't is something we have gotten really practiced at over the past 10 years. So I feel confident in encouraging people to, you know, have your perspective. And it's an okay perspective to have. But it's just we have to go outside ourselves and think a little bit about the other people involved to make sure that we really can facilitate a situation to a a place of success.
0: Definitely one of the ongoing themes of the show. We also sent out a clarion call for listener input or feedback, as it were, on the infamous case of the cat-car conundrum or quandary you choose. And this is referring to the listener who kindly loaned one of her parking spaces to a neighbor who then somewhat audaciously complained about the woman's cat walking and sitting on a car she was trying to sell.
2: A car that was not in the best of shape either. You know, this was not pristine, no scratches.
0: (laughs) So Lizzie and Dan, the listeners, heard that call, and they're starting to respond, including MJ, who says... A thought came to mind regarding the cat car quandary. I'm making the assumption that the extra parking space is relatively close to the owner's residential unit and the cat's roaming territory. If the owner of the parking space asks the complaining neighbor to park elsewhere, then maybe the cat won't be on the car since it will no longer be nearby. Sample language. Thanks for letting me know that a cat has been sitting on your car. While I'm happy to take steps to prevent this from happening when I see it, perhaps moving your car to the guest spaces which are farther away and out of the cat's territory will solve the problem. Just a thought. MJ. I love this because she's politely saying, go find another space if you don't like the one you're getting for free from me.
2: Exactly. Without saying it, she's saying it. And my only amendment to it would be to say the car instead of your car. Because often when you're asking someone to do something... You can put a little emphasis on that. Maybe you could move your car to the guest space and you don't want it to sound like that. Instead, maybe you could move the car down to the guest spaces and then it's it's kind of further away from the cat's territory. And hopefully she won't be seeking out that particular car. Um, I think you can you can find ways of any any time you can pull out the use. It really helps with language to not feel accusatory or to not instigate defense. But I love MJ's sample language. I just want to repeat that.
0: I know. Thank you for sharing some sample language with us. We really appreciate it. Finally, I'm sure you won't be surprised to hear that listeners are getting swept up in Dan and Pooja's baby naming process (laughs) and responses are starting to pour in. It's a torrent now, by the way. Soon to be a deluge. <laughs> so, on the subject of names, Arielle wanted to contribute some wisdom and a little humor from her mom. My mom, Arielle writes, has something she calls the blind date CEO test for evaluating names. Basically, you imagine you're offered a blind date or friend date with someone, an adult, with a certain name. All you know about the person is the name, so you're basing your judgment solely on it. If you feel like that would be a great person to meet, the name passes. Alternately, you can imagine you're interviewing someone with a certain name for a high-up position or voting for them for a leadership role. If the name inspires confidence, it passes. I think the CEO test is especially good for girl names— Says Ariel, since unfortunately we still live in a society that doesn't entirely see feminine as powerful. I should add that Ariel decided against bombarding you, Dan, with name suggestions, but she writes I love my name, and you're welcome to it if you connect to it. Ariel in Hebrew means Lion of God. I was named for my grandpa, Leon, so it was meaningful for my parents to honor him. Best of luck to you and can't wait to hear how it all unfolds. Always, Ariel. Ariel, thank you so much and your your email is still
1: timely. We still have no idea <laughs> what the name is going to be. In fact, it was one of the hottest topics this last weekend. We spent um, a, a great deal of time adding to the list and uh, I will definitely be adding one more name to that list. To make a good impression, you must know what to do. Now it's time for our postscript segment where we tackle a particular point of etiquette in a little more depth, and... Today's postscript was inspired by something that I saw. What is last week when I'm recording the show, but I will reference it in a a more general way. It happened in the second presidential debate here in the 2016 election season. Ho
2: ho! We are going there. What do you want? What do you want? We are for the
1: first time this entire election season, we're gonna reach out with our big finger and just touch the political world, just a tiny little bit. Um, And actually, this isn't really so much a political thought as an etiquette thought. And it came from the the, the very final moments of that second presidential debate. And the last question that we were left with that night was a, a request from an audience member for each candidate to say a little something, just one thing that they respect about the other. My question to both of you is, regardless of the
0: current rhetoric, would either of you name one positive thing? that you respect in one another.
1: I don't even want to get into what was said, (laughs) by who, about whom. But what I do want to do is really appreciate both the person who asked that question and the debate moderators who put that question to the candidates and the candidates who took that question seriously and each took a moment to share something that they respected about each other. And in the middle of a very contentious political season, it was a moment of civility and dignity and recognition of human worth that left me feeling just a little bit better. And it reminded me of how important it is to make that effort in all aspects of our life, that there is no situation so dire, no difficulty so extreme that it can't be improved just a little bit by bringing our attention to to human considerations, to treating each other with civility and, and respect. And it was that reminder that that I appreciated so much in the middle of of a difficult political season. and And, as we ha- struggle to to conclude this season with some dignity and some respect, i I thought it was a a moment worth highlighting
2: absolutely. And just to bring it further into our own lives, i any anytime, any anytime that I start feeling really disgruntled about somebody else where I can hear in my head the negative, just coming out, that I'm just always in my head about that person. I can I can feel it, like my, my face scrunches up and I can feel the frustration. I can feel all the things I don't like about that person. Every now and again, I find it really important in my own inner dialogue, inner monologue, to actually say to myself, yes, it is a monologue in there. There aren't a lot of people in that brain. <laughs> Dan's laughing at me across the mic and I so appreciate it. I really take the time to say, wait a second, this person isn't all bad. There are things about this person. They have a life outside of what I experience with them. They have um, thoughts and ideas just the same way I do that fluctuate and change and opinions that move. And I think I need to remind myself that this person is a whole person and I am picking apart very small parts of them when I'm upset with them or when I'm upset with what they are doing. And that does help bring me back. And I love that we actually, in in what has been such a contentious race between these two candidates, it is so nice to hear a moment of what they can see in the other that's good and valued. And I think that in a nation divided, that's probably one of the most important things we could have walked away with that night.
1: So that postscript is almost a little bit of a salute, and it's going to provide a nice transition into today's salute, which is one of our favorite parts of the show, where we get to hear from you about somebody who's made a difference by bringing a little bit of etiquette into the world.
2: So let's conclude the show with an etiquette salute that proves once again how good deeds really do make a difference. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I love the show. My sister Liz and I listen every week, and I just wanted to give an etiquette salute to a stranger that I've never met before, but that really helped me out. Recently, I lost a credit card. I didn't even realize it was missing for a couple of days. The way that I found out that it was missing was my credit card company called me to let me know that someone had canceled the card for me. So there were no charges. It had been found on the street, and the person, instead of um, just throwing it away and I would have to have figured out that the credit card was missing and worried about fraudulent charges. They just canceled it for me instead, and it made my life a lot easier. I thought they were doing a really good example of following the golden rule, and it was amazing. So thank you, stranger. I wish there were more people out there like you. Oh, I love that. That moment of panic. I know it so well. And as much as it's a hassle to have your credit card canceled, it is such a relief to not see fraudulent charges that you either may or may not be responsible for
1: but can definitely be a nightmare to track down.
2: Oh, my goodness. Um, That is a great salute, and we really encourage you to send us your salutes. It is truly one of our favorite parts of the show. So if you have a salute, please send it in to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or feel free to leave us a message at 802-866-0860. We cannot wait to hear from you.
1: And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening. You can email us your next question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or reach us by phone at 802-866-0860. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post.
2: And I'm at Lizzie A. Post.
1: On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. And if you love the show, help us out. Please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show is produced by Chris Roberts.